You're listening to Tiny Home Tours, a podcast that celebrates all things tiny living. We're your hosts, Allison, Chris, and Loren. Join us as we sit down with nomads and tiny home dwellers to discover why they went tiny, the lessons they've learned, and inspire you to take the leap. This episode is brought to you by the Tiny Home Tours newsletter. Would you enjoy a weekly newsletter that shares all things tiny? Every Friday, we share sneak peeks of full upcoming tour videos, blog posts, and new podcast episodes. Join with the link below or by visiting tinyhometours.com. Hi guys, welcome back. I am Allie and we are sitting down with Isabel from A Tiny Good Thing. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Today, we're just going to be discussing um, what it's been like during the four years she's lived in a tiny house. It's um, not many people have been in their tiny for four years. So you've made it probably longer than most. So we just love to hear your perspective on how that's gone. Did you ever entertain any other alternative or tiny living options? Or was it you just knew it was a tiny house? I really just knew that it was a tiny house. I mean, I thought a little bit about a bus conversion, um, but I didn't really entertain that idea for long because I wanted to build a house that was insulated a bit more than a bus can be, um, that has a thicker wall system. And also I, I couldn't really imagine myself driving a bus around. I wanted to have like a smaller car that was more fuel efficient. Um, And yeah, tiny house just really made sense. I'm not someone who wanted to travel um, all of the time in my house. I wanted to park it maybe four or five different places in its lifetime and have it ultimately end up on land that I own. Um, And so from the beginning, that was my vision for the home. That's um, what I talk about a lot is that people need to decide like, what do what is your priority and you need to identify what that is because if you do want to travel a lot a tiny house probably isn't going to be for you but there are other options like you mentioned a schoolie or if you want to renovate an rv so you're not dealing with off-gassing and all of the issues with new rvs Um, but it is really important to identify those priorities beforehand yeah i never thought about an rv just because of the difference in materials Um, and i wanted to be able to use quality materials and um and also source a lot of my build from reclaimed building centers. Um, and so use w- wood and things that are, have a bit more weight to them that wouldn't um, probably be the best fit inside of an RV. Although a lot of people are doing it. Um, I just didn't, uh, I didn't feel comfortable like bolstering up a trailer and making it stronger to support more weight. Um, that just seemed like more of a challenging project to me rather than building from scratch and designing it in full. I think, you know, people's lives change quickly and like the, you can start out with a vision for a home or a place and that can really evolve and change. You know, I'm lucky in that my vision really hasn't. Um, I've pretty much stuck to it and it feels comfortable. It doesn't feel like you know, a push or something, or like I'm limiting my life in any way. I'm grateful for that. I think that's often why people end up letting go of their tiny homes is because their life just goes in a different direction. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good segue into what my next question was, was what was your process like um, while you were designing? I feel like a lot of people approach it in such different ways. I love to hear everyone's like unique perspective on how they approached it. Yeah, I, I went a pretty basic route. I did months and months of research and looked at a lot of different tiny house designs. And I'm a really um, visual person. And so I can 
kind of close my eyes and imagine the design of a space and how that would feel like. And I just did, I did that constantly with this home. So just visualizing like, how do I want my living room space to be? And how do I want the couch and the pullout bed and um, the kitchen flow? And so it was really kind of an organic process for me and super specific to my own needs and preferences. And then I just started drawing it out on graph paper. I think I probably only did like two, maybe three versions. I think it was just because of all of the research that I had done and I knew like the roof line that I wanted. I knew the layout I wanted. During the build, I guess the design evolved slightly, but not much. I pretty much stuck to it. I put it out on graph paper and then I brought it to Volstruct. They do steel framing. They're based in Austin, Texas. I felt really confident that, um, you know, my design could, could transfer over into their CAD system they could basically like manufacture the studs directly to my design rather than me having to learn how to frame. And it worked out perfectly. Absolutely. We also use Volstruck and I love them. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's such a nice process to see it yeah. that way. And I know you can do your own CAD drawings, but it was nice to know that what I had created could be brought to life. It wasn't just something I was imagining. Just like the peace of mind too, that they have an engineer that looks over it and it's like, exactly. can you do this continuous ridge beam? Yes, you can. You know, that's going to yeah. be okay. Then. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what were your priorities when you were designing and how did they evolve? I think my priorities were from the beginning, a few things. Um, light was a big portion of the design. I really wanted to have lots of natural light and feel connected to nature just by looking out my window. So I put in uh, French doors that are full glass and I think I have like 10 other windows in here and they're a decent size, especially the ones around the living room. I knew that if I brought in light that it would make the space feel larger. Um, I've spent time in a lot of tiny houses that don't have large windows and I think that that's Um, really apparent. Then I wanted to have a large couch that I could pull into a bed and have guests. Uh, I also never entertained the idea of having a ladder. Um, Having stairs was pretty key to my design because that's where all of my clothes uh, live inside of the steps and my pantry and my dishes cabinet. Um, So I also I can't imagine having a, a ladder and losing that storage space. That's so funny because I have the exact, I love my ladder and I couldn't imagine losing that much space with stairs. So many people in my tiny house village are the same. They love their stairs. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you really do have to like be so sure of who you are and what you need. You can't really listen to other people because I'm going to tell you, you need a ladder and you're going to tell them you want stairs, you know? Yeah. And I think that's where the, like the visualization for me came in. Like, can I imagine going up and down stairs to my loft? Or can I imagine like, yeah, having a ladder that I moved, having a ladder that you can see through versus stairs that you can't, Mm -hmm. um, all different design elements like that. I think, uh, for me, I needed to visualize. Absolutely. I also thought like with the stairs that my future dog, which I didn't have a dog at the time would be able to go up and down. Um, and now that I do have a dog, I don't really let her go up there because I don't have a railing. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It doesn't feel very safe. Um, and I like to have the separation too. I mean, she's a German shepherd. She's pretty big. Yeah. Uh, she sheds a lot. And so it's kind of nice to have the loft bedroom separate. Just yours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No dog here. 
Yeah. <laughs> what was your first night like sleeping in the tiny house? And maybe it's different for you because you built you built your own house. So you were you spent a lot of time in it before you actually had your first night. But but what was that like for you? I don't remember specifically like a first night because I was building it in my parents' backyard and I was living in their house at the time. And so I didn't have a moment where like my house arrived and I had my first night and it was fully, you know, functioning and completely done. But I do remember like the first week sleeping in the tiny house it was just like the loft and I just put the bed up there. I think actually the first night I may have slept on my sleeping pad with my sleeping bag. There wasn't like heat in here or anything. And the kitchen definitely wasn't done. The bathroom wasn't done. Um, and I just remember like a sense of calm, like looking at the, um, I have Colorado Aspen um, tongue and groove on my ceiling. And I remember just looking at all of the knots and like, some of them look like eyes and they all look like different things. And just, just feeling like, like a sense of peace and calm that came over me from being in the space. Also, like, there's a lot of satisfaction that comes with building a space for yourself. So like feeling proud that I created this space that my dad and I built it together and that it's going to like be my home. I can imagine that like extreme feeling of pride. Like I yeah. did this. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. and a bit of a like wow yeah I had the exact opposite because it was like you know we had two-year-old twins at the time we knew we weren't going to build our own house so you know we go pick it up and drive it to the first night where we're going to sleep and I I did I still remember it very vividly it was three years ago I I had a little bit of a meltdown but it was all <laughs> internal because Kevin uh-huh. was already asleep and so I'm just like I could feel my heart racing and I'm thinking oh my god what did we do what did we do and I think I was like that until about two o'clock in the morning when I finally fell asleep <laughs> the sense yeah. of the feeling of like calm it came a few weeks later um once we got like moved in and settled and I'd seen the boys move around in the space but I still remember that first night so vividly of like I thought my heart was going to jump out of my chest <laughs> yeah it's a big decision. Yeah. It's a big and shift. It, and we hadn't mm-hmm. spent any time in it. And then all of a sudden it's just ready and ready and it's yours. And it's ours. <laughs> and we did it. Yeah. And now we have to pay for it and do all the things. Right. Uh, people love to talk about di- downsizing. I mean, there's a hashtag and books and tons of things devoted to this. And everyone does it differently. So, what has your process, what was your process like initially? And then it really is an ongoing process. So um, how have you continued to just keep your house in a way where it's like, I can move through my space and I'm not collecting things? For me, it was pretty simple and organic as well because I had moved back to Colorado after living um, in Bellingham, Washington for six years. And I had gone to college there and then was studying to be a midwife, was living there and and my path shifted and I moved home. And so I packed everything that I owned into my Subaru Outback. So that process, I downsized a lot. Um, And then went, and then I moved home and I lived home in, in Boulder and worked for a year, I guess, and worked really hard and saved up a lot of money and went traveling for three and a half, four months. And that was right before I started building. Like I got back and got my trailer immediately. 
I think that I already had like a very small amount of belongings um, from that process. And so moving into a tiny house, I actually didn't have that much stuff to fill all of the storage that I created. Yeah, I didn't even have enough enough. Um, and so that was kind of neat to realize like that I could grow into the space a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it really, it really is all about like the space that you inhabit. It's like a a crab, you know, like grows to the size of its shell and then it um, sheds that shell and, and creates another. Um, and so now that I've been living in the house, I'm definitely like at full capacity storage wise, but I don't really feel like I'm lacking anything. And uh, since I just purchased a big home on a property with, with my childhood best friend, we have um, a full unfinished basement and a, a separate garage. So there's a lot of storage. I don't really have much in there at all. Um, and I'm kind of telling myself to not fill that out um, because I like the feeling of not having a lot of things. It reduces your responsibility. When you have a lot of belongings, you're responsible for those belongings. You're responsible for knowing where they are, for taking care of them. And I like feeling free in the sense that I have everything that I need. I've backpacked a lot in my life and I love the idea of having just a select items that um, have multiple functions that you can use for a lot of different things over and over that are that are high quality and last long. And then you, you're backpacking, you have everything on your back and that's all you need. And I feel that way with the tiny house too. I have a little garage shed on the back where I have tools and um, all of my outdoor gear and all of my beekeeping supplies. And I just like that I can have that separate. Yeah, not having a lot of uh, belongings feels freeing. Yeah, you seem very intentional in choosing things that like either remind you of something wonderful or an amazing trip or something that you love. And I feel like yeah. that's part of it too. Definitely. Like in a small, small house, you can surround yourself with things that you love and that bring back memories. Um, and you just, you can choose those exact items and keep them with you. Um, yeah. I mean, I like, I love to point that out because so many people think minimizing is like getting rid of everything you own. And that's what scares people away from this lifestyle, but it doesn't have to be scary. And, and I think that's a really beautiful process when you start to identify, like this makes my heart feel a certain way. And this doesn't, yeah. you know, right. It, it really does. And, and then since I've been living in the home, um, I don't collect a lot of things. Uh, I don't um, go shopping very often. I mostly shop secondhand, which is which aligns more with my my uh, interest in reducing waste and trying to be um, closer to zero waste. Like shopping locally and buying products that um, I'm intentionally buying because of longevity and quality. So with clothes, I if I buy a shirt, I usually let go of a shirt or a book. I have a small bookshelf. So if I get a book, then I let go of another one. That process feels so good to me. Like I do that all the time. I was just thinking of this afternoon going through my clothes and going through some of my things and getting rid of them. I don't have like a strong attach attachment to most things, but that's one of the aspects of living in a tiny house that I really enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah, that's nice. I know there are plenty of ways to answer this one, but how, especially after four years, but how, what's the most significant way that tiny living has improved your life? I think the most significant way that living in a tiny house has changed my life is 
it's actually something that I don't talk about a lot publicly. Um, but I struggled and still do a bit uh, with chronic fatigue syndrome and I've had it for about 15 years. Um, and I got to a point where I didn't think that I could really continue living with roommates and that I needed a space that was healthy, that was like low VOC um, and also just where I could live by myself that felt um, supportive of my healing process. And so that was an intention that I also had going into building my house. And it has completely changed my life. Like I am way, it's way easier for me to establish balance and to recharge my energy in here. And part of it is just because of the ease of living in this space um, that I designed for myself. And then also like looking at the, at the home and, and feeling like there's beauty around me. Um, that feels really healing. And I've been able to establish like a balanced energy that I wasn't able to before. I just have like a much brighter outlook on life than I did before. And um, that actually has significantly like brought my energy up and reduced my chronic fatigue symptoms. So I'm really grateful for that. I didn't expect it. I was hoping that it would um, be a home that was supportive of healing, but I didn't think that it would have that dramatic of a shift for me. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm really glad that it's healed and that or it's helped to heal in that way. That's really beautiful. And then what has been something that's been challenging about tiny living over the last four years? Or have there been like challenges you've been able to fix and overcome or are there things that have been consistent? Yeah, I think the most challenging aspect of living in my tiny house um, has been being reported to zoning departments and moving um, and feeling just like generally unwelcomed and uneasy about where I was living. And then also putting myself in positions on people's property where, I mean, it's just like renting, you know, like you are you're a renter and you have a landlord and there's a bit of a dynamic there. For me, in a couple of spots, it was challenging because I was in my own house um, and just occupying some land and space and couldn't have control over um, that living environment. And so now that I'm living on my own property that I own, half of with my friend, uh, I have control over that environment and that just like a huge weight lifted when I moved here a few months ago. I can um, imagine like, I want to put a garden bed there. I want to put bees there and you can do it and you don't yeah. have to ask for permission. I mean, you can discuss it obviously with your landmate, but it's yours. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And the last place that I was at, there were other renters in the main house and, um, our dogs had issues, um, there, they had a really aggressive dog and, um, landed mine in the, the emergency hospital vet. Um, and I couldn't, like, I couldn't just pick up and move right then because I had signed a lease and I didn't have anywhere to go. And just like the vulnerability of that, um, was really hard. And so, so for me, I feel really happy to be on my own land, but, um, I think other people don't have the types of situations that I've had and they're, they're very happy and comfortable living and renting places. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I didn't 
mind renting when we were just in our last spot, but I definitely, like we couldn't put a garden bed wherever we wanted. And I definitely, there were some things about that that didn't feel great. Like you said, because you own your home. And so you're, you have this sense of pride of ownership, but then you still have these limitations and it is a weird dichotomy there that wasn't super comfortable. Um, yeah. So that definitely wasn't like long-term for me. I, I just kept reminding myself like this is short-term and so you can deal with this short-term. And and then there's like, you know, the whole, like a huge reason why people go tiny is for economic reasons and mm-hmm. to like reduce their utilities and their rent and not not necessarily be paying to paying rent and paying a landlord. But when you are on property, you are. Yeah. You're, you're paying someone else. And although it's, usually it's a reduced amount than you would normally be paying. Um, it's still significant. And um, that was always something that was on the back of my mind. Like, you know, I'm living in my own home that I built and I would love to be putting all of this towards something that is my own. Equity or something. Yeah. Yeah. So when you bought that property with your friend, do you have like a timeline? Did you guys discuss like in five years, I'm going to move into the main house with you and rent out the tiny or like, what is your, what is, what are, what do you envision as your kind of like long-term goals with the tiny? Are you just comfortable in it forever? Are you taking it day by day? Yeah. (laughs) What is your long-term? Yeah, that's a really good question. I feel like I'm very comfortable in it. Um, having a boyfriend and a large dog in the tiny house full time is not, um, something that I would choose because like I said, I need space to be able to recharge. And if I can't go, um, into a separate bedroom and close the door, um, and have some separation, then that doesn't really happen for me. So I think in the future, if I decide to live with a partner, it probably won't be in the tiny house. Um, unless they pulled their tiny house next door or something. There's a couple in the tiny house village down the street from us. They each have their own tiny house and they built an adjoining deck. And yeah, that's perfect. They love it. Like that's, they're both divorced and they knew, they both knew that this is how they wanted to approach their next relationship, which I think is so cute. Oh yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. yeah I could see myself doing that. Um, we also have a separated garage on the property and I have a little bit of a dream of building that into an ADU. Um, so although it's not large, it's 400 square feet, which is like double my tiny Double. House. Yeah. So, you know, that could be an option in the future. I really don't know. I'm, I'm kind of letting, letting my life and um, my future flow in whichever way that it takes me. But what I do love about owning this property with my best friend is that we aren't a couple. And so if I want to move, I can leave. She can stay here. I could rent out my tiny house or I could move my tiny house, take it with me. And we could bring in another one onto the pad. Um, or she could move, um, and we could rent out her room. So we kind of set it up in that way that, you know, if she leaves or I leave, we can fill the space and we'll still be able to like make our mortgage and everything. And that to me feels really flexible and easy. Yeah. That's really nice. If someone were to approach a situation the way you have buying land with a friend, I feel like that could go one of two ways. And it sounds like yours has been a really positive situation, but what kinds of things did you, I mean, you have to get real with yourself. What kinds of things, what kinds of real conversations did you guys have beforehand? Um, Mm -hmm. What happens if one person wants to sell and someone doesn't like, did you guys discuss all of those things in advance and how would you 
Cause like you said, a lot of people do this for financial reasons and going in with someone really helps with that. So how would you suggest people approach that kind of situation? If that seems like a good solution for them? Yeah. Um, we had some tough conversations in the beginning. We still are probably going to write down an agreement. We've only been here for three months, so we're probably going to set down like an agreement. That's a working agreement. You know, if, if things change, we have a conversation about it. We can write that down too, but just to kind of like set a starting point for us. Um, but I think we, we both have said that our relationship is number one and that we don't want this to jeopardize our relationship in any way. We've been friends for almost 20 years. You guys really know how you communicate and what you need. And yeah, so it's been, it's a long time. I don't think I would do this with just like any friend, but also we have complete different communication um, styles. And so that's something that we are constantly going to have to work through with like wanting to sell or, um, or anything like that. Like we've just said that it's going to be a conversation at that point and we will address it then. Like, there's so many things going into this that you can say like, well, what if that, what if this, mm-hmm. and we've done a lot of that and it can kind of like spin you out and, and life has its own, it, you can come up with every scenario and then life will throw you one you didn't think of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but both of us have intended to have this property for a long time. Yeah. Um, and for it to be a way that we, um, you know, build equity and also, um, perhaps in the future, get a little bit of an income off of it. And so I think that we, we really do want to hang on to it. And we also have a vision to create like an urban homestead where, you know, we have chickens and bees right now, but we're going to be putting in a really large garden, maybe having a neighborhood farm stand or something. And so in our vision is really similar. And I think that that makes a difference. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by the Tiny Home Tours newsletter. Would you enjoy a weekly newsletter that shares all things tiny? Every Friday, we share sneak peeks of full upcoming tour videos, blog posts, and new podcast episodes. Join with the link below or by visiting tinyhometours.com.